Welcome to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast, where we bring you sermons from our teaching team at Flood Church, Lilongwe, Malawi. For more information, you can go to floodchurch.com. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, and gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand, and all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God, of the Lord our Lord. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on on any holy day. Every Sabbath year, we will forgo working the land and will cancel all debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of the shekel each year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths, at the new moon feast, and at the appointed festivals for the holy offerings, for sin offerings, to make atonement for God, for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the, the Levites, and the people, have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. We also assume responsibility to bringing to the house of our Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is, written, it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priest ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, to the fruit of all our trees and of, and of all, and of our new wine and olive oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes and the Levites are are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to the storerooms of the treasury. The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, the new wine and olive oil to the storerooms where the articles for for the sanctuary and for the ministering, ministering priests, the gatekeepers and the musicians are also kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. Would you please just pray for me? This week, uh, I went to my home village because my, um, my young brother lost his two-day-old son. Uh, so it was a, quite a hard uh, uh, situation for us. Just, just pray for me. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness that reigns uh, even in the brokenness. I bless your name, God. I thank you, God, for as we read your word, we see you at work in our hearts. We see you at work in our lives and in those around us. God, help us. Help us to see you this morning. May you illuminate your word 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amazing passage, just looking at um, how this story is unfolding when you're looking into this story of uh, the people of Israel and just seeing God at work uh, in their hearts. Because last week, remember, we looked at how they were confessing to God and now they're saying confession alone is not enough. We're going to do something about this. So now they're making commitments. They're making commitments to God. I remember there was, uh, uh, I think before we got married, uh, Kate and I used to still do, uh, but we started this, this uh, ages ago, just going, uh, you know, visiting people and uh, having meals with people uh, from this community. Uh, so we would have people either come to our house or we would go to their home. Uh, so one Sunday, a couple from here, uh, I, I, and I met up with them and said, you know what, I think we want to come and visit you guys. And they say, this week will not uh, work, but let's do this uh, the week after. And I said, yeah, cool, sounds good. I'm going to go to Blanta in the week anyway, so let's do it. And she said, uh, what, what if we do it next Monday? I said, yeah, let's do that next Monday. So uh, I go on a trip to Blanta and... Uh, Kate messages me and says, hey, remember we're having dinner with this couple that just got engaged? I was like, oh, yeah, it's great. When are we doing that? On Monday uh, next week. I was like, hey, that sounds amazing. Let's do this. We're going to have fun. But this time I had forgotten that I actually booked us for on the same day uh, to meet up with this other couple as well. So uh, I'm coming from Blanta on that Monday and I'm excited to link up with this couple that just got engaged from our community. And we're going to have a great time together. Uh, and as I was going there to the place, I was a bit late. And I received a phone call. And uh, this lady says, are you coming? Uh, so I'm like, coming where? Uh, I'm going to my house. Uh, and we, we're going to have dinner. And, and, and then she said, before I finish, she said, oh, the food is ready here. Uh, we are waiting for you guys. And then I remembered that actually I booked us on that Monday and I double booked us. Uh, I had to apologize to this couple, apologize to Kate. Like, you know, you know what? We actually double booked ourselves. I did. It was my, my bad, my mistake. Uh, so we ended up meeting with them on the next day. Uh, they're still our friends. Thank God. Uh, yeah, no hard feelings there. Praise God. But you know, just thinking of like how many times do we make commitments that we do not fulfill? How many times do we say, I am going to do this, but not actually do it? We promise, but not keep the promises. We say, how many of us have said yes to a meeting? In fact, it happens a lot. Uh, you know, when we ask people, hey, do you want to come and meet up? Oh, sure, I will do that. Even though knowing that you're not really going to make it. Or you know you're saying yes to something that you know probably you're not going to make it. How many times have you done, done that? And some of us who say, I am coming. And you know you're just waking up. You're, you're yet to get ready, you know. But I, I, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then eventually you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, it rained. And then transport was an issue, and then this happened. But you knew you were not going to make it. How many of us go back 
on our commitment. Some of us even pay people to, you know, put us in check, to get us be committed. I'm talking about school. You know, you pay a school uh, to be like, hey, I am here. I'm going to be your student. And you sign on. Okay, you're going to be committed to attending classes and to doing assignments. Yes, I will do that. And I'm going to pay you for it. And when they keep, keep you accountable, Ash, man, you're like, oh, this teacher is so difficult. You pay her to do that, you know. She's got to keep you in check. You, you said yes to this commitment. But even when we give our money to something, you know, and some of us get paid. You know, when you sign a contract with that company, when you sign a contract that I will do this, I will fulfill this tender, I will do this, and you get paid, but you still do not fulfill your own commitments. Because sometimes even when it is good for us, even when we know we're going to benefit from it, there are times that we do not fulfill our own commitments. Some of us do make commitments even in sacred places like a church. You know, a place like this, when you make your vows, when you uh, commit to something, but do not fulfill that commitment, that you go back on your commitment. And all of us do that. If not, if you don't do it, at least you know someone that does, that they go back on their own commitment. They say they would do it, but not do it. Making a commitment is easy, but keeping it, that's where the work is. Keeping a commitment, that's where it is hard. Everyone can talk. Anybody can talk. But when it comes to doing it, when it comes to doing it, everyone can make a commitment, but not everyone can keep it. Just saying, I'm going to do this, I will do that, I will do this, does not really mean that we're going to do it. So what happens really? What happens? Why do we go back on our commitments, either our commitment to God that we actually pray the prayer that I will follow you, Jesus. I will follow you, God. I'm going to change this part of my life. I'll be committed to you. I surrender as we were singing this morning. But we end up not fulfilling and not keeping our commitments. And sometimes we do not keep our commitments maybe because we are lazy. And I'm not feeling it, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not feeling it, so I'm not going to go there today. And, and just being lazy. Sometimes, like me, being disorganized. You know, I was not organized enough. I didn't put in my calendar that, you know, I have said yes to this couple to meet up with them. And I double booked us. Sometimes, for some of us, we even fail to actually make a commitment. We even fail to actually make a commitment. It could be because of fear. Maybe we actually experienced some hurts in the past. When we made a certain commitment and we are afraid to jump into another commitment. Maybe we failed before when we made that commitment and we are like, I don't want to make that commitment again. But when you're reading scripture, uh, when you're reading the Bible, you see that God often would have crucial conversations with his people, inviting them to make a commitment, inviting them. To say you follow me and you follow me fully. That you are so committed to me. When you read uh, in the Old Testament. There was a time when Abraham was struggling uh, with. Um, you know he was struggling with seeing. Or not reconciling the promise of God and his own reality. 
you know, there was a time when God said, you know what, you're going to have a child, you're going to have a son. And Abraham was getting so old and he's like, this is not going to happen. This is not going to work. And he could not reconcile the promise of God and his own reality. And God says, let's have a child. And this child was going to involve a commitment. So when you read Genesis 15, you see a story where God says, you know what? I'm going to fulfill this promise that I've given you. You know what? Let's actually do a reach around this that there will be a commitment. So he says, bring in, God says to Abraham, bring in an animal and we're going to cut it in half. And whoever does not fulfill this commitment, actually, if I will not fulfill this commitment, I am willing to be cut in half just like this animal. And God does that. He has these crucial conversations with people when he's inviting his people to make a commitment. When you read Deuteronomy 28, you see God. He is speaking to his people, the Israelites, and he's giving them, uh, you know, a list of blessings. He says, these are the list of blessings that I will do for you guys. But this is what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to make a commitment because if you do not follow through, these are also the list of curses that you're going to have. And we know that they don't fulfill that. And in the end, they end up in captivity. And the time comes when they have to come back from captivity because of God's grace. And this is where we're at in Nehemiah. The people have returned from captivity and things are beginning to happen. And when they were in Jerusalem, they begin to look at the law of God. And last week we saw that they confessed their sins. But confession was not enough. We need to have repentance. Now, repentance involves turning away from sin and turning towards God. Turning away from sin and turning towards God. And this is what God is inviting them. This is what's happening in this chapter. That confession without repentance is actually fruitless. You can confess to God, I am bad. You can confess to God, I am a sinner. You can confess to God, I did wrong. But confession alone will be fruitless if there's no repentance. If there is no turning away from your sin and turning towards God. Turning towards God. So we repent and repentance gives us an opportunity to respond to the grace that God gives us. So they say we're going to turn towards God and the way that we're going to turn towards God is that we're going to make these commitments to God. We're going to allow God influence how we should live our lives. We're going to allow God influence how we live our lives. And I just wanted to, for us to look into, uh, you know, these, some of these commitments that they are making to God, powerful commitments that they are making uh, to God. First of all, they said, you know what, we want to have the governor, Nehemiah himself. We want to have the Levites, the people of God, the priests. We want to have them and that they have to put a seal to this. They have to be, you know, witnesses that we are actually making this commitment to God and we want it sealed. So, they make a commitment to God and look, just look at some of these commitments. In verse 30, it says, we promise to not give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. And they are making a commitment that we're going to allow God influence how we're going to be faithful in our romantic relationships. We're going to allow God influence how our, uh, our romantic relationships look like. We're going to allow God influence that 
So they were looking because God gave them laws of how they should conduct themselves, who they should get married to. So they, says, they say, we are not going to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. This is how we're going to live right as far as romantic relationships are concerned, as, as far as marriage is concerned, this is how we're going to live like. We want God to influence our own relationships. Verse 31 says, When the neighboring people bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we, are not buy, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or in, or in any other holiday. Every seventh year we'll forgo working the land and we'll cancel all debts. They're making a commitment on their integrity, on how they're going to find their own resources. In other words, on how they're going to find their money. They're saying, you know what, we're, gonna, we're not going to do business on a Sabbath. We're going to rest. We're not going to do business on a Sabbath. We want to have integrity. We want to have integrity on how we're going to find our resources. And they're also, we're making the same uh, in the same verse, they're also making a commitment of how they worship and trust God through rest. How they worship and trust God through rest. Because when you don't work on a Sabbath, when you don't work, they say in the seventh year, they were not working in the seventh year. We're not going to work in the seventh year. We're not going to farm in the seventh year. This is saying we're going to trust God for provision. We're going to trust him for provision because God will provide for us. So they're saying we're going to worship and trust God through rest. They're also saying, they're also making a commitment of how they will show generosity. How they will show generosity. Verse 32, we assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of the shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. We're going to be generous to God for the bread set out on the table for the regular for the regular grain offerings and bent offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbath and the new moon feast and the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings, for the sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel and for all the duties of the house of our God. They realized that people, what was happening was if you, if you sin against God, you go to a priest and the priest will kill an animal. Uh, this was symbolizing that your sins have been transferred onto the animal and the animal will be put on the altar and be set on fire. And that is called sacrifice. So people will need that. So they say we're going to provide that. We're going to bring that to the house of God. We're going to be generous with what we have. We're going to give that to God. And they're also making a commitment of how they will save and bless those around them. They're making a commitment of how they'll bless those around them. First of all, just uh, beginning with the priests, they're going to bless them. The Levites, they're going to bless them. We're going to bring new wine and olive oil. That's what they said. We're going to bless those around us. And they also make a commitment of how they'll not neglect the house of God. We are not going to neglect the house of God, the worship of God. We're not going to neglect the worship of God. So they make these commitments to God. This is how they will allow God influence their lives. Now, you and I have the privilege of knowing how this story ends. We know how this story ends. Did they actually manage to keep their commitments? No, 
they failed to meet their own commitments. They failed to keep their own commitments. In fact, we're going to read in two weeks actually that Nehemiah reaches a point of beginning to physically beat people up because they're not keeping God's commitments. And in the end, he, he just says it's too hard and I give up. I tried. That's how it ends. People failed to keep these commitments. They failed to keep these commitments. And I was wondering, like, even though they invited the priests to be the ones that will come and put a seal, the people they adored, the people they would go to when they sinned, but that never stopped them from not keeping the commitments. Even though they invited Nehemiah, who's been a fantastic leader, a governor, but still, they didn't keep these commitments they made. Even though they say the Levites should be here, but still, they failed to keep these commitments. And when I was thinking about that, like, these actually just relates to us that we often fail to keep our own commitments. So does this mean that we should not be making commitments? Does this mean that we should not make commitments at all? That's not the case. In fact, a life that is not committed is meaningless. You know the feeling when there is nothing that's happening, when you feel like you don't have a purpose, when you feel like there's no meaning because you're not committed to something, you're not doing anything. You know how that feels like. And there's no meaning when you're not committed to something. So this is nothing to do with us not making commitments. In fact, we need to make commitments for all of us to have a meaningful life because a meaningful life is a committed life. And when it comes to change, we cannot truly experience change in our own hearts, in our own lives. If we are not committed to God's grace, we can't experience change if we are not committed. A changed life is a committed life. For us to have change, for us to have meaning, we need to make commitments. And I think I realize that the issue is not whether we are committed to something or not. But the issue comes in on to who we are committed to. Who we are committed to. The person that we are committed to. And for those of us that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. For those of us that have believed Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of our lives. We are invited not to love the commands of Jesus. But we are invited to love Jesus. Because when we love Jesus, then we're going to love his commands. You remember what Christ said, those who love me will follow my commands. You don't, you don't flip, you don't love the commands and then follow Jesus, but you actually follow Jesus, you love Jesus. And when you love him, you're going to obey his commands. And when we miss out on loving our king, when we miss out on loving our savior, we can easily just love the idea of Jesus. We can love the idea that Jesus heals. We can love the idea that, you know, Jesus is nice. We can love the idea that Jesus is a good teacher. We can love the idea that Jesus gives us good things. 
But being committed to God, being committed to Jesus is, is more than loving the idea of Jesus. It is obeying Jesus as Lord. It is obeying Christ and fully committing ourselves to him. And that's the invitation that Jesus Christ gives you. Jesus Christ invites you, invites you that you would fully be committed to him. And what does it look like? What does it look like? Then Jesus said to his disciples, listen to this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their own life for me will find it. That's what it looks like to be fully committed to Jesus. Matthew 16, 24 to 25. That we deny ourselves. That we take up our cross. And that we follow him. That we lay our lives at the feet of Jesus. Being fully committed to Jesus is not just loving the idea of Jesus. But it is choosing to fully and to, and to fully surrender to Jesus. Where you're saying, not my will, but your will be done. Not my kingdom, but may your kingdom be done. Choosing to lay down our lives so that we can honor our king. That is when we fully commit to God. Choosing to God. Choosing to follow God is not only done when it feels good. When it's convenient. That it's fine. Everything else is well. But even when you have the opportunity to conform to the patterns of this world, that you choose the opposite way, the way of Jesus. Because I'm fully committed to God. I'm fully committed to Jesus. So today, Jesus is inviting you to not make a commitment to things that you will keep or not keep, but to make a commitment to him, to him as the Lord, to him as Savior, to him as Lord. And why do we have to be committed to Jesus? It's because Jesus is so committed to us. Jesus is so committed to you. Jesus is so committed to you, therefore you can be committed to him. This is letting Christ influence how we live. Letting Christ influence how we treat other people because we love him. Letting Jesus influence how we work because we love him. Letting Jesus influence how we love other people because we love him. Letting Jesus influence how we pray. Letting Jesus influence how we serve because he's so committed to us. So therefore, we're going to respond to him. We're going to say, we're going to be fully committed to you. Not because we can, but because of who you are. It is our response. It is our response. So is Jesus captivating your hearts? Is Jesus captivating your heart that you can say, I want to love him more than anything. I want to love him more than myself. I want to love him more than myself. Because it's not just about saying words that we're going to do this for God. But we want to love him. We want to love him. Because when our hearts are captivated, it's going to be easier for us to love Christ. It's going to be easier. Because for us to follow through that which we cannot really follow through, that which our hearts have abandoned. If we have abandoned God, if we abandon Jesus, we cannot really follow through. It's not just saying with our mouths, 
but it's following through that our, which our hearts have captured. And that will not fail. That will not fail. So I hope you can allow Jesus Christ to influence you, to influence how you live, to influence how you live. So the invitation this morning is that Christ is committed to you and may you be committed to him. May you love him. May you love him. Because when you will look at Jesus, this is how Christ is so committed to us. He's so committed to us that he will not go back on his commitment because his word is always yes and amen. His word is his bond. Scripture says that he is so faithful that he cannot deny himself. He'll never go back on his word. Jesus Christ is so committed, even though you have broken your own commitments to your family, Jesus is so committed to you. Jesus is so committed to you, even though you have broken your own commitments to your church, he is so committed to you. Jesus Christ is so committed to you, even though you have broken your own commitments to your work, your school, and wherever you're at, but Christ is so committed to you. He's so committed to you even though you have broken your commitments to your God, to him. But Jesus Christ, he would do anything to keep his commitment towards you. He's so committed that he would never go back. He would never go back on his commitment even if it cost him his own life. He's so committed to you. He's so committed to you, even though he knows that the commitment he makes to you is going to bring him great emotional turmoil, but he's still committed to you. He's so committed to you, even though he knows that he will be betrayed, he will be shamed. But he's so committed to you, even though he knew he was going to be mocked, that he's so committed to you that he will follow through. He will follow through with his commitment. Scripture in Hebrew says, he endured the cross for the sake of the joy set before him. And his joy is you. His joy is you. When he looks at you, that you can say, here I am, Lord. I failed to keep my commitments. I cannot help myself. So I come to you and help me. And Jesus Christ says, you're welcome. You're welcome. Come on in, daughter. Come on in, son. You're welcome. So may you run to him. May you run to him this morning. And right about now, we're going to uh, remember of the commitment that Jesus makes to us by taking communion together. And when we look at communion, we see the time 2,000 years ago that the body of Jesus Christ was broken for us and, and his blood shed for us. That he was so committed to us that he let his own body be broken for us. And that we can praise him and worship him because of that work that he did for us. And in being reminded that we can say, God, help me. Help me, God. Help me to let my life be influenced by you. Thanks for listening to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast. Please send us your feedback by commenting below or by emailing floodlilongwe at gmail.com.